Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today I am your host, Alex Jones, and with me always is the font of all gaming knowledge, Jamie. Hello, mate. Oh, that was a very awkward moment for a second there where I had to remind myself that there were two meanings of the word font, and I was like, okay, is this like a Comic Sans reference? And then I remembered christenings. We literally had this, in the, this is Groundhog Day, we've had this exact opening before, haven't we? Oh, you even Can't made wait. the font joke about christenings. Oh, no. See, that, this is the problem when you're however many episodes deep. Are we, are we, I can't even remember what, 100. 182. 182. Is you make the same jokes over and over again and you genuinely lose, lose track. It's also just a damning reminder of how unfunny you are that all these years on, still the same repertoire. No, I don't even think it's years. I think it's literally like a few months. Don't say that. <laughs> but suddenly, I said it, and I was like, a font, I'm pretty sure I've used that intro before. And then as soon as you started making that joke, I was like, oh, this is the intro of, of uh, Groundhog Day, where he, where you hear the, put your little hand in mine, and he's, you know, he's back in the same day. That is, that is we've done it again. I apologize to everyone uh, who's listening to this on Catch Up, who everyone who's watching right now live on YouTube. Um, people in the chat, if you recognize that little opening intro, um, from re recently, let me know if I'm going crazy. Whether we have actually done that exact little back and forward, back and forth um, recently, I do want to give a shout out to the people that are in chat right now who are saying hello. Uh, shout out to Want It Wonder, to Wesley, to Rodrigo, to the Funky Penguin, Caribaldino is a, is a great. Um, it's a great thing to see you all as you are chatting, um, and we are live. Uh, we are a gaming podcast. We are on YouTube and we are on podcasting platforms. We are at Super Show Pod on YouTube and Twitter. Um, and we're also we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all those places, everywhere you could want to get your podcasts. We are also on PaisleyRadio.com, Thursdays at 10 p.m., repeated on Mondays at 10 p.m. If you want to check us out on internet radio, not really sure the difference between that and a podcast. I suppose, as we've said before, it's more that you just can't control it. They just yeah. feed it at you. In real time, I see. I do it for the danger. You see, what are the people? What are they called now? They're uh, Gen Gen Z. I don't know. Young Gen Z, Gen Z, and then Gen Alpha are the ones below them. Oh, uh, them especially. They're too used to a world where everything can be paused and everything can be rewinded. You don't know living until you know the threat of genuinely live broadcasting. Where if you're still making a cup of tea when the adverts finish, then you know. You're in trouble. You're about to miss the thing that everyone's going to be talking around the water cooler tomorrow because that totally still exists. I feel like Gen Z are are bad enough when it comes to that stuff. I feel like Gen Alpha are on another level. Like my kids, you put them in front of like CBBC or something, you know, like children's normal children's TV, and they'll yeah. go, I don't like this. Fast forward. <laughs> You're like, that's not how this works. And they were like, skip it. I want to see something else. Um, they'll even start speaking to our little, uh, you know, household assistant, telling it to try and skip stuff. And you're like, you can't oh. do the radio in the car. If you put the radio on ever, for whatever reason, they'll go, yeah, skip. And you're like, no, you have to just, just talking listen. to just talking to whoever's hosting Capital FM that morning. It's this is reminding me of what was the Adam Sandler film, the comedy where he gets the remote control for life. Click was it? Click yeah, click. yeah, click. Yeah. I I think everyone just wants a click. Uh, remote but it also reminds me of uh the beginning of the second austin powers films where one of the ways that austin powers realizes that vanessa has become a fembot was because he's trying to kind of like mute and fast forward in like flint his favorite yes. movie and of course it starts happening to vanessa um i think if i had a remote that could uh pause rewind fast forward um liz hurley i think uh oh okay i would i would quite a happy man 
maybe Do you know what? For a second there, I thought you were going to say a remote for your wife, and I'm not sure which of the two would get you in more trouble. <laughs> um, yeah. Close one. Yeah, that, yeah no, I, don't, I, w I wouldn't want to con um, control a real woman, but give me a fembot Liz Hurley from Austin Powers, and I'd happily fast forward rewind. Oh, God. See, I sometimes wonder, like, what would Jonesy do if he lived in the future of Night City? And I think we just got our answer. He's all about the fembots. Yeah, fembots are the future, mate. Like the, the the world is going to be over when you give a man a fembot and he can just stay at home with her, with her on, you know, oh, control full control mode, do whatever I say. He's never yeah. leaving. He's never leaving home. Let's be honest. That's a, that's a horrible thought because I mean, because Japan's already struggling, right? Because men are staying single for longer and they're having less kids, and that's not even because of fembots. That's because of like maids and places where you can go and get soapy massages where they tug you off at the end. And already they've got a problem over there where like 35-year-old blokes are going, I do not need to get married. This is great. I would love to know. Like, let us know in the comments or on Twitter or something, uh, on X. Um, I've heard, so I have two countries that I've heard of where the, the women cannot get husbands or boyfriends. And it blows my mind because traditionally, I think they're very beautiful women. Is uh, Japan is one, as you just mm -hmm. said. Yeah. And the other is Brazil. Huh. I did not think that was where that was going. Me either. I was, I found, well, I was told recently, I don't know how true this is. I was told recently um, by someone who has been to Brazil that they were warned because they were taking their, their significant other, their boyfriend. They were like, you need to keep hold of him because uh, single straight men in Brazil are rare. And so they will, I'm not even single, but just, they will try and steal him. And I don't know if it's true. Maybe it was someone just trying to freak this girl out before she went on holiday. Jesus. Jonesy, radical new idea. I haven't checked the Patreon coffers for a little while, but I think we need to take the Super Show International. I think we're missing a trick here. First we trips. Not, if we're not doing this podcast live from either Brazil or Japan inside the next six months, then patrons, if you're listening, you aren't you aren't carrying your weight. I I'll go one step further. I think the patrons come to come to Japan with us. We arrange to all meet up. Uh, we just go no sell everything. Head but, to Japan. But ninety ninety nine percent of our patrons are also single white men. So like we're just like slow lowering our chances the more of our patrons we bring with us. Like us, small number of patrons, Japan. I think we'll be okay. There'll be enough mm. to go around. Okay. P's P's what's gonna clean up. We're not gonna get them out of that massage parlor or whatever the fuck they could we're not gonna get them out of soap land. Okay. Well, we uh oh hold on, have we got a Oh no! So I thought I thought Rodrigo was was weighing in on the uh, the Japan Brazil. Oh no! He, okay, he is. He's saying uh, it's because of the because of anime. Um, the guys have married into like the virtual Hatsune Miku. I don't even know who that is. Maybe I was saying dodgy. Oh no! Hatsune Miku's uh, like a virtual pop star. Ah, so okay. One of those ones where they're not real, but they actually produce like normal actual music that gets consumed and played on the radio and whatnot. Okay, well, anyway, let's move on from this and let's move to some uh, video game uh, news. First up this month, um, we started a new segment uh, for September and we're going to bring it back for October. This is the games of the month. This is the games that are coming out in October, which we're now in, which seems absolutely crazy. Um, we're getting toward the tail end of this year and I cannot believe it. Um, but yeah, so we have got Assassin's Creed Mirage on the October 5th. Detective Pikachu Returns, October 6th. Forza Motorsport, October 10th. Roblox is coming to PS4 and PS5 on October 10th as well. Uh, Lord of the Fallen is October 13th. Sonic Superstars, October 17th. Marvel Spider-Man 2, October 20th. Super Mario Bros. Wonder is coming October 20th as well. Cities Skylines 2 is October 24th. 
Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1 is October 24th as well. Ghost Runner 2 on October 26th. And Alan Wake 2, October 27th. Uh, oh, sorry. And EA Sports UFC 5 is on the 27th of October. Can't forget UFC 5, Jersey. Just realized then I didn't need to say October before all of them because I said at the beginning in October. But hey, I, I sure. have. So yeah. You have. And I'll be honest, having scanned the Wikipedia page for new releases coming out this month and from this point until the rest of the year, um, there were plenty of other reasonable titles that could have made this list and didn't for the sake of time. This is one of the most stacked months most people, I think, will have had for a little while. And when I say most people, it's because there's an astonishing amount of variety on display, whether you just want your sort of traditional you know, prestige flagship third-person action-adventure games or whether you want your Nintendo first-party hit or whether you want, I don't know, city builders and whoever the fuck wants Roblox. Like, there's something for everyone. I, I can say now, Roblox, I guarantee I'll be getting Roblox on the 10th. My kids are already oh, yeah. like, when's Roblox coming? They already have monopolized um, my PlayStation, my Switch, and my PC as well now. Because um, one of them wants to play Pixelmon, which is a mod which is only available on the Java version of Minecraft, which means he can only play it on the PC. And he's been saying for months about Pixelmon. So I finally capitulated and installed Pixelmon on my um on my PC and now oh, every dude. every day. I was playing I was literally playing Starfield a couple of days ago and he went, uh, can I play Pixelmon? I was like, dude, uh, in the middle of, of a mission. And he was like, uh, how long until I can play Pixelmon? I was like, All right, give me 10 seats. Let me finish up. That gives me like such an internal conflict and internal dilemma because I would love any future children that I have to be gamers or to be engaged by video games. And even if it was stuff that I don't really understand like Roblox or custom Minecraft servers, I'd be okay with it. But the idea of them not being able to respect my gaming boundaries, like a tap <laughs> on the shoulder while I'm playing Starfield, like, no, that that's when they get put on the naughty step. We have to have very <laughs> specific rules about when their time ends and my time begins. When daddy's role-playing and playing Starfield, when daddy's balls deep in Sarah or whatever the fucking name is, and then tap daddy on the shoulder. Well, um, I wanted to ask you what you are. This is, but this is really rough because I was going to say, what are you looking forward to the most this month? But I can already see at least four right. games that I know that you're going to be seriously into. So, what? Are you? Yeah, give me three. Let's limit it to the top three. Well, two two of my three are kind of sort of chosen for me because I was very lucky to uh, get a reasonably sized PlayStation Network voucher a couple of months ago. And because I'm always a forward thinker and because I'm one of the smartest people I know, if not the, I um, I thought about upcoming titles that I could purchase ahead of time so that when the busy month of October, October rolls around, I'm not constantly checking my bank balance and wondering how many of them I can afford to buy. And so the two that are already pre-ordered on my PS5 are Marvel Spider-Man 2 and Alan Wake 2. Um, and those are the two that would have jumped off the page to me anyway. I mean, uh, Spider-Man was... Um, I mean... I was about to say Spider-Man was one of my favorite games of 2018. That's true. Unfortunately, God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2 came out in 2018. But I mean, the uh, Spider-Man was a was a you know a remarkable debut um, in, in sort of that you know that uh, to that world um, from Insomniac at the time. I thought Miles Morales like I, I don't know if you remember, but I loved Miles Morales. I liked it more than Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I you know, remember yeah. the original. I remember you, me, and Chris talking about that a lot at the PS5 launch, um, and. I don't know. Like, I, I, I just think that just seems like a winner on basically all fronts. I know that this is a sort of a slightly cliche thing to say, but it's just hard to imagine a world where Spider-Man 2 goes wrong. 
And that's an exciting prospect to know that I'm going to sit down with a big, beautiful, cinematic adventure game filled with characters that I already at this point know and love. Um, like, that's a very exciting prospect and it's uh, less than three weeks away. Alan Wake 2, slightly less of a known uh, prospect because, well, I mean, Remedy, I think, have for the most part gone from strength to strength with the exception, uh, depending on who you ask, of Quantum Break in the middle of it all. Um, but I think what I like about Alan Wake 2 especially, did you see some of like, the previews and videos that came out this past week? I haven't, no, of Alan Wake 2, no. Oh, uh, I recommend you check some out because it looks like someone went up to Remedy and said, hey, like, make another Alan Wake game, expand on this sort of Re Remedy universe that you're building. Um, but please just go full fucking Remedy. Like, acknowledge that the, the shit that people liked the most about Control, especially, was when it got really fucking weird. And Alan Wake 2 is really fucking weird. And, like, the balance between the... You know, remember how the game is kind of split in half between Alan, who's kind of stuck in the, the dark place, or whatever they call it, and Saga, who's the detective. Yes. Um, and they've both got this thing where they can go, basically their thoughts and their mind are physically represented in the game so instead of like pausing and going into a menu you go into this like thought space where you're walking around this cabin and like putting polaroids on the wall and like connecting dots between people and events and locations and alan's is kind of framed around writing this novel where he's almost trying to write his way out of a horrible situation in this horrible place he's in where saga is kind of like piecing together the mystery of this murdered fbi agent like i, I love so much of what they're doing I love everything that they said inspired them. Um, and I think that could be one of the real winners of the entire year, let alone October. And then I'll throw in Super Mario's Wonder, Super Mario Brothers Wonder in there at the end, just because it's something slightly different. It would probably be a nice palate cleanser between those two games. Um, and hopefully I complete each of them fast enough that that's kind of the, that's, you know, what I can do. I can kind of put Mario Bros in between the two third person action adventure games and uh, get my, uh, get a bit of, nintendo first party goodness in my life which never goes amiss no no it doesn't um i'm gonna go different then purely because you know Ooh, just to mix it up you're a bit. contrarian i'm a contrarian um well okay the first one i'm not gonna go different so i have uh pre-ordered spy uh, marvel spider-man 2 um yeah. oh i i did see one of my favorite uh you know when you see something which kind of pulls you back and, and makes you sort of realize someone's crazy um i had Ew. so we talked last week about david jaffe who'd put out a little video and he'd slowed <laughs> spider-man 2 saying that yes what are playstation doing um like they're just rehashing you know the same old stuff and it's and it's and he was sort of referencing the fact that um uh uncharted 4 had done you know had, had iterated and done so well back in the day and the fact that insomniac are not doing anything and, and basically yeah having a go um spider-man and playstation um i then saw him this week and this is not this is not to insult Starfield, but I then saw him saying that Starfield was like the greatest game he'd ever played or something, or it was like the it was his at the very least his game of like the generation, but really, really singing his praises. Um yeah. I really like Starfield. It is totally up my street. I have played a lot of Starfield. I finished the main quest. I think I'm like thirty five hours in. I mean, I don't know what he's talking about. If you can have a go at Insomniac and playstation for what they're doing with spider-man and, and having gone for that yet you can play starfield and not see you know the bethesda tried and true uh you know this is how they make games that it's i mean you can say oh no but this time you get to go on a spaceship i don't know what he was talking about man I can, i'm that guy and i'm and i love i love his god of war games and i'm a fan of david jaffe's in the past but 
I did, he's lost. He's lost me. Quick question: Does he have a blue tick? Just as we, if we're digging a little bit deeper into why he might be sharing slightly crazy <laughs> online. I, I actually don't know. I guess, yeah, I, he probably has. I would imagine he yeah. does have. Um, it's, it's horrible that that's something we need to consider nowadays, where if you see a radical hot take online that's clearly designed to rob people up, you now need to do this kind of double take of like, oh, actually, they, are, they, are they trying to make money out of this? It's a yeah. mess. But, and that's the same. Like, I, li- I like both of those games. I, I don't think there's any reason, though, to have a go at Spider-Man 2. I don't think there's any reason to have a go at Starfield. I think... We can all these games can operate. All these companies can make games as they want to make games, and we should all be there to enjoy them. I don't think, but yeah, as you've said, I think it's probably a, a bit more of a money making exercise. Anyway, I will say my other two games that I'm looking mm. forward to. I'm going to go Assassin's Creed Mirage. I'm uh, hyped yep. for that, and not long to wait at all, as as we've said. Um, Alan, see, Alan Wake Two for me is one that I need to wait on because I haven't finished Alan Wake One, so I'm still playing. I'm, I did start playing. I need to go back to play the. Um, uh, remake of uh, Alan Wake or remaster even of Alan, mm-hmm. Alan Wake. So I'm going to say, um, for me, it's going to be Sonic Superstars. It's going to be the uh, one of the other ones I'm yeah. looking forward to. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a, a Jones household uh, fan favorite. It definitely will be, man. That's going to be a, a, a staple. And I'm hoping only seven days after Roblox, I might be able to peel them off of Roblox and get them onto Sonic Superstars. Oh, yeah. I think it's a must. Like, I'm not the biggest Sonic fan, even at the best of times, but if you had to make me choose between Sonic Superstars and Roblox, uh, whether it's either which one I had to play or which one I had to watch my influence play for hours on end, like Sonic quite comfortably clears that. Yes. I mean, have you? Roblox is painful. Like, just look I, at it. It's, it's terrible. I've only ever seen people playing Roblox ironically. Um, and like making intentionally making dumb characters and doing dumb voices to rile people up, um, or, or you know, or for, for comedic effect. So I don't really know what serious Roblox looks like. I, I should say the yeah. games I've seen because obviously there is it's a it's a platform. There's loads available on there, but I'm, the one the plat the games that I have seen, uh, like kids play, yeah, horrendous. But yeah. anyway, we move on. Um, so today we are going to be touching on a few stories. I'm going to give you the titles before we jump into our first one. Um, we're going to be talking about Jim Ryan leaving PlayStation, the news that shook the industry this week. We're going to be talking about uh, another wave of layoffs. And we're also going to touch on um, this sad departure of Marvel's Avengers um, from uh, stores, from e-stores across the world. Don't know if that, that works. Mm. I mean, yeah. kind of. Kind of. Um, anyway, yeah, so the first story we've got is that Jim Ryan, after uh, 30 years at PlayStation and four years as CEO of Sony, uh, CEO and president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, um, has stepped down this week. Uh, and it's been a little bit of an interesting one. He has said he's retired. Um, he has given the reason that he effectively lives in Europe, works in North America, and, you know, he's, he's, he's had enough, Jamie. He's, he's been at PlayStation for a long old time and he's decided that he's going to take a step back, let someone else take on the role and he's going to maybe enjoy his life. Um, I've got a statement from him that, from him here that I want to give you because um, I really want to get into, after this, I want to get into your thoughts on why maybe Jim Ryan has actually left. Uh, so Jim said, I've relished the opportunity to have a job I love in a very special company, working with great people and incredible partners um, he said, I will leave having been privileged to work on products that have touched millions of lives across the world. PlayStation will always be a part of my life, and I feel more optimistic 
than ever about the future of SIE. So, nice. He's, you know, he's retired. He's getting on. I, d- I didn't, I should have checked how old he is, actually, but I didn't. He's got to be, what, in his 60s? Uh, yeah, good question, actually. I don't know. How, how old do you have to be to have worked at PlayStation for 30 years? I'm not sure. Uh, at least 30. Very good point. Yep. You started as a playtester when you were a baby. You'd be there for a long time. I think you're doing playtesters a disservice there when suggested someone fresh out the womb. Give give them a PlayStation controller. See what they come up with. See what feedback we get. <laughs> it, hey, it depends on a whole new demographic. Maybe. Yeah. The zero to six demo. Yeah, it depends. Uh, I've actually got a video or a photo at least of my one of my kids when he was two with a PlayStation 5 controller. So, you know, you're never too young. Never too young. Um, so, uh, Jim Ryan is actually going to be replaced um, in the time being. They've got a temporary interim CEO. Um, that is going to be uh, Hiroki Totoki, who's going to be taking over. Um, he is going to be taking... Why did I butcher his name? Are you laughing? No, I just, I've never heard it out loud before. I liked it. Do Hiro- it again. Hiroki Totoki. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So he's going to be taking over in March of 2024 uh, full time when Jim actually leaves. But he's already, as of October, um, he is in a transitional period, which really means that he's taken over from now, realistically. And Jim's probably on gardening leave somewhere, you know, yes. getting his, making his fingers green. I, d- yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you, before we get into it, do you want me to give you some gaffes that Jim Ryan has made to remind you of a couple of his gaffes? <laughs> I feel like you're kind of um, uh, leading the audience a little bit when when a, when the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment steps down and rather than looking at their accolades or their their triumphs, so like let's remind people of his gaffes and then get into the discussion. But please, no, but I, I I feel like if we just, we could just talk for quite a long time about the achievements, but I think the gaffes are quite fun. So I don't want to like talk about his achievements and then leave everyone with the gaffes thinking that's all he did. Do you know what I mean? I want to okay. I want to sh- I want to shit sandwich it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Let's get, this, get the gaffes in the middle so that we can uh, finish off with some of his successes. Um, sure. So yeah, Jim had a bit of a Jim, like he's a mate. Jim had a bit of a marketing background when he took over um, as CEO. Uh, and he's not the best, maybe, at communicating sometimes, which is ironic given his background. Um, but a couple of the gaffes that he that were notable and were picked out by... Um, uh, Jason Schreier in a Bloomberg article when sort of re- reacting to you know how people had reacted to his leaving. Um, one of the so one of the gaffes he came up with were the um, the people in the Middle East didn't really play games before PlayStation, which didn't go down didn't go down too well when he said that. Um, he also of PlayStation One and PlayStation Two game players, people that still play the games to this day and, and enjoy them, rightfully so. He said, "Why would people play them now? They're terrible and they look terrible," which yeah. Probably not something you want to say to you know, people who are part of your player base. Um, maybe the most controversial uh, was, I don't have the actual email specifically, but it wasn't that long ago that the Supreme Court of the United States of America overturned a little thing called Roe v. Wade. And as companies were reeling and trying to reassure their employees, you know, from uh, that they were going to sort of do things to help them out, um, Jim wrote to Sony's employees and said, let everyone have their opinions. Uh, and then he told them a nice little story about a cat that he had and how he wanted a dog. Um, and I think we talked about it at the time. I think we even yeah, we had the actual emails. Um, and people were, yeah, they were pretty mad, Jamie. They didn't like the fact that he... he, you know what, he 
He didn't want to offend all those Middle Eastern gamers that had just discovered the PlayStation. That's what the problem was. Maybe so. I'm going to actually see if I can find the cat story because I remember it being really weird. And at the time, we were like, why is he bringing that up? At a time when they're talking yeah. about abortion and Roe v. Wade stuff, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. Well, wasn't there some weird thing where Insomniac, who of course are a PlayStation subsidiary, like made a uh, made a don like a charitable donation to like a cause around the time of the Roe v. Wade thing, and they yes. weren't even allowed to talk about the fact that they'd done it because Jim Ryan's directive had been like, "Hey, let's respect everyone's opinions." Yeah, I think they gave fifty thousand to a charity, and and yeah, they they got a little bit castigated for the fact that they they did. Um, oh, where is this little? Where's the cat story? Where's the cat story? Uh, just to, I, I know I can't see your screen right now, Jonesy, but if you have just Googled Jim Ryan's pussy, um, that's not going to get you anywhere. I did. Do you know what I did and I should have done? Uh, damn it. That's one for safe search off. I, yeah, I can't find it. I'm not going to sit here and make everyone listen to me think because uh, and read because that'll be rather dull. Um, but yeah, safe to say he's had a, a few gaffes. However, let's let's go the other side and let's talk about some of Jim Ryan's successes, though. Um, because so he came in February of 2019. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he had, um, you know, his eyes set on an absolutely insane next generation for PlayStation. Everything was going to be fantastic and everything was going to be brilliant. Um, little did we know that only a year later, uh, the world was going to be hit by a global pandemic. Um, which was going to absolutely decimate, you know, uh, production, game development, what people could do, what they could actually uh, produce in that time, um, right after the PlayStation Five released, uh, and that I mean that was literally it's it's three and a half years ago, right? So he, the entirety of his time, well, not an entirety, so he had the back, the back end of twenty nineteen, but most of the time he's been the head. Um, he's had a pretty bad time of it. To be fair to him, uh, we have also seen some pretty good games um, drop under his uh, his tenure, talking Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding Director's, Director's Edition, or Director's Cut. Um, and we've also got some more in the bag. We've got some Spider-Man 2, Wolverine. Ragnarok would have been a... Um, Ragnarok, a Jim Ryan joint. I mean, technically, the last was part two was a, was a Jim Ryan joint. I feel weird calling him a, like I'm giving him Spike Lee level privilege. Yeah. He was just he happened to be CEO and president at the time these video games were released. He did. I'm glad you brought up um, uh, Last of Us Part Two as well because of course on one of the other problems that the uh, PlayStation had is that if you look back, um, you know when they were launching the PlayStation Five, they were talking about having ten live service games um, by 2026, and they should be well underway down that road at the moment, and they are not. And one of the games which is which does not exist, of course, is um, The Last of Us Part Two multiplayer, which is you know a game that was supposed to be there and was massively pared back. Factions was it? I think it was called. Um, I mean, that's what people called it informally, yeah, based on what the original one was called. What have we called it? But yes, so social media have sort of let him have it. It's been weird. It's been a weird week because I must admit, must admit, I didn't don't really think too much about Jim Ryan. I'm pretty happy with how PlayStation is doing they're doing very well compared to xbox it's been a little underwhelming we've had some um states of play which we've sort of watched recently and been like oh okay nothing's really happening what's going on with playstation yeah but they haven't failed have they to any degree but come on jamie what i really want to know i want your thoughts jim ryan let me yeah i mean i think i'm just as conflicted as you uh, are in in some respects because i i my opinion isn't you know 
fully fledged head gone social media hot takesville where I just want to slack off Jim Ryan because I see him as the be all and end all of Sony's you know and PlayStation's first party video game output in terms of uh, software and and so subsequently you know you know all the triple a or quadruple a first party titles that i would have liked to have seen in the last couple of years and want to see more evidence of in the coming years is exclusively his fault but i think there is an interesting thing where like jim ryan has uh his his time as the ceo of sony interactive has overlapped with a very difficult time for the industry and a time of necessary change for uh you know playstation as a sort of a as a brand and and, and i guess sony as a company to a to a certain extent um and I can see, I can see that being the reason why, like, whether or not you think his tenure has been successful is going to be totally a matter of perspective. I'm sure there are many people, for example, shareholders who, to your point earlier, were extremely happy with the way he navigated what has to be go considered one of the most tumultuous um, console launches of all time for reasons totally beyond anyone's control. And again, for like you touched on it all there, you talk about you know the the, the general uncertainty around the pandemic and how long it would go on for what it would do to people's uh, spending power. And so pricing then becomes a massive issue. Manufacturing was an issue for many, many years. It's an, it's an issue that we're, in some respects, only just getting out of. I think the fact that the PlayStation 5 has been as successful as it has been in terms of the numbers sold, um, given especially you know relative to manufacturing issues, I think is an overwhelming success. But then hardware has been a problem. Um, you look at you know the PlayStation 5 and how successful it was, how radical the DualSense felt like it was, and then you flash forward to the absolutely softwareless PlayStation VR 2 and the even more bizarre uh, PlayStation Portal, and you think to yourself, well, hang on a second, like maybe hardware hasn't been an overwhelming success. And even going back to software, like you mentioned a bunch of great games there that have come out at a time where Jim Ryan has been the PlayStation boss. Sure, but video games take a long time to make. You know, Jim Ryan wasn't PlayStation boss when Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us 2, which came out in the summer of 2020, were signed off. When you talk about, you know, especially a guy who came into this position uh, in February, of, well, let's say early 2019, like, uh, the games he would have started signing off on, most of them won't have even come out yet, based on, you know, what is now the normalized video game life cycle. And so if anything, and this is where we get into kind of like, like da dangerous social media territory, if anything, the the software lineup that represents Jim Ryan's vision or PlayStation under Jim Ryan's vision for the future is going to be the kind of software lineup that we were seeing at the PlayStation Showcase that happened in the summer, which overwhelmed um, a large number of people, myself included, because we didn't get to see the studios that we've grown accustomed to making these, as I said, these big AAA, often you know, third-person action-adventure prestige titles Instead, what we saw was a rather lackluster future of games as a service titles with you know things like Marathon in there, which you know, Marathon could be great, but you know Bungie now having to split their time between Destiny and like a Tarkov, like you know not necessarily my idea of wow, this is what I want from PlayStation. Because here's the thing: for as much as people bashed those prestige games over the head for years and years and years, and whenever they went even the tiniest bit wrong, like for some people might argue Days Gone did. PlayStation were made to look stupid. As soon as they're gone, everyone's like, actually, we really kind of <laughs> liked them. Yeah, we missed um, them. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, why don't you innovate? Everything's angry white man walks around and kills them. And then I was like, ah, do you know what, actually? I kind of want my angry white man game this Christmas. <laughs> um, and so they had to make Peter Parker really angry just to compensate for it. Um, and yeah, and I think so that's that also, you know, I guess in itself, ties into sometimes the slightly fickle nature of the audience. Again, 
when you're the when you're, when you're the boss of PlayStation, you are you're making games for more than just the dudes that have Kratos as a profile picture on Twitter, right? You're making games for lots of people. You have to acknowledge the way the industry is changing, and there's absolutely no question that whether you like it or not, the industry is changing towards service games. Games as a service of the future. You have to hedge your bets with them because game development times and game pipelines are now years longer than they were even a decade ago. And that means you have to kind of like shoot your shot and hope for the best. And again, for as much as most of us would like to sit on our high horse and say, we don't want X, we want Y. The problem is we keep buying X, we keep pumping money into X, and X in this case, to move away from algebra for a second, are live service titles with, you know, season passes and, and years long roadmaps and many, many chances for people to spend additional money. So I don't think it's Jim Ryan's fault that PlayStation slightly pivoted in that direction. I don't think it was his decision solely either. I think probably everyone around him, the people who have paid some of the highest fees in the world to be able to predict this stuff and make these decisions, were probably all seeing the same tune. Without divulging too much, Jonesy, I'm f familiar with the industry to a certain extent. It's not a tune that PlayStation is singing. It's a tune that the industry is singing, and yeah. PlayStation and Jim Ryan followed it. Um, so I can't knock him too much for that. I can't knock him too much for the fact that like we haven't already had a trailer for The Last of Us Part Three or something you know, random like that. So in that sense, I don't think Jim Ryan really did a huge amount wrong. I think just the optics of it aren't that great when what you really value from a brand like PlayStation are you know multiple games a year that score over 90 on Metacritic, you know, because the industry is changing. Yes. No, I, I, yeah, I think you made a really good point about the fact, obviously, that Jim Ryan's legacy um, for his four years is still to be seen. And that is massively unfortunate for him in, you know, that the history books will, will look back upon a time when I don't think any other CEO of PlayStation could have possibly had a period which was as bad as the last four years, like mm -hmm. could have been for, for Jim Ryan. But yeah, the reality is, I think as CEO, it's probably a lot more to do with the industry than it's necessarily to do with him, um, as you, as exactly yep. as you've said. Because he, some, you know, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Sometimes things hit, sometimes they don't. Like the reality is it Jim Ryan sitting in his office, like stroking a cat, sort of telling them how things are going to work. P probably not. Yeah. And the other, we can't pretend to know. And, and the other thing is that like, he's been in this position for, for what, was it over four years at this point? Was it coming up on five? Um, yeah. Coming up on five years, right? He's going to have signed off on a lot of things. He's going to sign a lot of, across the dotted line a number of different times or sent off you know, approving or affirmative emails a number of different times. Because of the aforementioned, you know, pipeline, the, as it is nowadays for video games, there is going to be a time in the future where Jim Ryan is a distant memory and Hiroki Totoki or whoever it is, is sat up there on a pedestal and an amazing video game comes out, like, a, like again, whether it's another angry white man AAA prestige game or whether it's something different, something's going to come out. And much like we just did with The Last of Us Part Two or Ghost of Tsushima or Spider-Man Miles Morales, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. That Hiroki Totoki's really got this all figured out, you know. Without and and completely admitting the fact that like Jim Ryan probably signed off on that. Um, yeah. And that's th this is not me trying to like launch. Yeah, you know, I'm not coming to Jim Ryan's defense to suggest that any of the reasons that people are unhappy on social media are unjustified. I think they are justified in the sense that it's there's a subjective desire that everyone's gonna have, or you know, everyone wants to see their their preferred brands move in a certain direction especially when on social media the the home console landscape is so you know combative um people want the best games they want the most of them um 
And so you look at the games that Sean Layden kind of looked like he got to oversee and you compare that to Jim Ryan. I can see why it kind of looks like apples and oranges sometimes. I just, again, I think, though, that just a lot of it was just, while while there were definitely flaws in the process and there were mistakes made along the way, some of them, uh, as you pointed out, indicative of hope, you know, what may have been bigger problems in the way Jim Ryan viewed the brand and viewed the future of PlayStation. But there, I, I do think that, to a certain extent, there are people laying a lot of blame at his feet that are that, and when in reality it's just the way that the industry, the way the games are changing and moving at the moment, and the way that he had to keep up to keep up with the pressures of everyone and everything around him. Like he he had shareholders to appease, you know, he had to go into boardrooms and make sure people were happy that PlayStation would be a more profitable brand in ten years' time than it is now. And at some point, saying Uncharted Seven doesn't appease those people, they go, "Well, hang on a second, Fortnite's printing money." Well, like, what are you doing about that? And there's an answer that appeases Twitter users, and there's an answer that appeases shareholders, and those answers aren't the same. No, they're definitely not the same thing. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I think we're we're in complete agreement. Um, unfortunately, it's always nice when we. Uh, it's it's a weird time to be in a game, to be in uh, you know the gaming sort of culture when someone who could be CEO of a company like PlayStation, it's actually more than likely they won't ever see a game they signed off come out. Like if you, do you know what I yeah. mean? They're like so. Uh, whoever the Totoki, I can't even remember his name. Hiroki. Hiroki Totoki. So like he's an interim, you know, CEO. Let's say he was even there for a couple of years. Reality is, if he's, I mean, he probably won't be, but even that long. But if he is, like, he'll sign off things that there's no way he'd ever see because it, the, you know, the amount of time it takes to sign off a game to actually see it come out, especially like a first pass, first party PlayStation yeah. title, is so damn long these days. That yeah. You would have no idea who the person who greenlit these projects would actually be. And and the other weird thing that's happening, and I'm planting the seed now because we're going to talk about it in a little bit, is that live service games have such different tales to kind of like traditional kind of more linear experiences that um, sunk cost fallacies are becoming like... that. that the sunk cost fallacy is becoming is lessened and lessened. And so now like a game might be 95% done but if you don't think it's going to have a future, if you don't think it's going to be profitable, it might still be like make more sense from a financial perspective to cancel a game that's ninety five percent done. And people bust it there and say like, "But you've developed the game, just release it." And it's like, "But no, like the financial implications are such that this was actually the the long term plan for how we were going to make our money back on this game, and then some. This is how much it was going to cost to continue to run the live service element of this game." And so, with that happening. Um, I think we're entering an era where whether you're a Jim Reiner or a Hiroki Totoki or whether you're a developer, like you could, if someone told me that they had they that they had joined the industry ten years ago, and they had they had they they didn't have a single released project that they could talk about as a result of various NDAs, um, I would believe them. Yeah, it wouldn't even be that surprising. It wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be that surprising. It'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And we get glimpses of that when we talk about like the Last of Us multiplayer project. Like those are the times it's made public. Um, but if you try to keep count of the amount of times it's not, like you would lose track very quickly. Um, because you know everyone's kind of everyone's throwing uh, you know darts at a dartboard, and that you know that dartboard seems to be further away than it's ever been. Because it's like, how's your game going to make money in ten years? Who no, no one has that answer. No, they don't. Um, but I know one way you can make money, Jamie. How's that? 
because Pastor's Guild dropped a cheeky little uh, $2 super chat. Hey. So thank you very much. Says, I made it. Yay. Glad to see you, mates. Glad to see you too, Pastor's Guild. Thank you very much for the super chat. Um, and what an amazing little segue to jump me right into uh, a section where we like to thank the uh, Patreons. Or the pa- I always get that wrong. The patrons who go over to patreon.com. But before I get into that and say thank you to those amazing people, um, I would have to give a shout out because uh, Hot Panic, Chris himself, is in the chat. Hey, he's made He's made it to a live stream. Um, I, I think I know why he's here, though, because he was pretty oh. unimpressed with us last week he oh, didn't agree yeah. with what we said what we were talking about and so we said that he should come on so he can fight his corner um so hopefully he will do soon he did say he'll make an appearance one day and we'll, we'll have to get some uh juicy nintendo news or something or um you know something about a uh sekiro-esque game to uh yeah have a disagreement about Oh yeah, you never know. I'm trying to think. Well, maybe when um, Elden Ring DLC, we can ever do an Elden Ring Ooh. DLC special with Hot Panic himself. Oh, but then we couldn't disagree because we wouldn't have even played it anymore. But yeah, but that's the way Chris wants it. <laughs> so he knows. So he knows everything, and we don't exactly. All right. Well, um, I uh, would like to give a shout out to some um, very special people, as I just said. They are our patrons. There are some names on screen right now, but I would also like to give a shout out to uh, some of you um they are aaron cameron athletic gravy brimstone ice knock rock salt yes Cam down nielsen pastors guild and the big dogs the members of the board a massive shout out to brett z aka shellshock geometric potter hacksaw greed manuel guerrero and peaswad um thank you so much to all of our patrons and to everyone who is in the chat right now and to everyone who has subscribed who likes who goes on the discord who uh, says hello to us. Um, we love having you all for the ride. Even you, Chris. Even you. <laughs> Even though you're not a patron, you scumbag. Oh, is he not? Oh, yeah, I guess he's... Oh, yeah. We got to bo- bo- boot him out of the trap. I don't know. He, he he could be lingering around at the $5 uh, tier just to <laughs> see if we make any patron exclusive content. Yeah, maybe, maybe. No, I doubt it. No, Chris. That's right. I'll make him take me for lunch soon. Maybe we should kick him off the um, kick him off the Discord server. We do, we don't actually do that for anyone wondering. If you're no, in it once, don't. you're in it forever. But we should break the rules just for Chris. Yeah, it's, it's to make his life hell. It's two dollars to sign up for the Discord, and then you're there for life. You never have to pay again if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I think I'm not going to talk about anything I've seen or played or anything this week because it's been really boring. I've just played a little bit more Starfield, as I said earlier. I did reinstall. Not reinstall, sorry, not reinstall. I did download and install Phantom Liberty um, because that is the yeah. next thing I want to get into. Um, but I haven't got to it yet because I I want to finish a few, a few threads in Starfield. So I've gone back and it's felt a little rough. Uh, I wouldn't mm. say. Uh, purely because it's different. I'm not going to be one of those people on Twitter who like slags off Starfield saying it's nothing compared to Cyberpunk because it, it, like it is. There are things that work really well in Starfield and cyberpunk still doesn't feel amazing but but when you're in like a chat with npcs and you're having conversations and you and you're interact interacting with them and then to play starfield and how sort of bethesda jank it feels at times with those conversations does great yeah. a little but anyway that's a conversation for another time yeah we've had pretty similar weeks though jonesy in that like i'm still trying to play enough starfield every week that i haven't officially fallen off of it right but it is getting harder like i feel like i should have squeezed all my starfield into a slightly tighter window so they could have like rode that high for a little bit longer and now 
But then you finished the main story quest, as you told us last week, which is, at least it's more than I've done. Um, And I also have the problem of, I have also downloaded and installed Phantom Liberty, ready to go. And of course, Assassin's Creed Mirage is out on Thursday, um, Monday night as we're streaming this. So it's it's a frightening time to be someone who plays video games, Jonesy, which us and I imagine most of the people listening are. I can, I, I, I'm going to have to stop you really briefly again because do you know who's just joined the chat? Mm. Based on the way you're saying it, I think it's someone else we know in real life. Is it Sam? No. Is it Martin? No. Is it Alex? Wow, okay. No, I'm going to tell you. It's Steph. It's Steph. Oh, my God. I was just playing Stardew Valley with Steph the other day. There you, you go. go. Technovo jumped in the chat. Hello. There you go. Just thought I'd say that. Sorry, I interrupted you. Steph's such a stranger to the Super Show that uh, <laughs> that that's why he's so he was so far down the list of guesses. Wow, thank you for making an appearance. Um, I know you didn't you didn't interrupt me. I was going to ask if I could give a, a a quick shout out to a small slithery little game that I've played like two hours of this past week. Yes, um, by all means. It's called Cocoon. Do you recognise the name? Uh. I recognise the name from a 1980s film with... Um, I thought you might. <laughs> what is his name? Oh, the main uh, guy, the curly hair. He's in Three Men and oh, Hour, maybe. Oh, it's the main guy with curly hair. You should have yeah. said. Um, is it Wilford Brimley? No. Hang on a second. Who are these people? Steve Guttenberg? Yes, Steve Guttenberg. Oh, Guttenberg. I thought this was like made up because it's like Wilford Brimley and Don <laughs> Amesh. This can't be the film that Jonesy's talking about. Guttenberg. But it is. Guttenberg. Steve Gutenberg. I don't think I've ever seen this human being in my life. Steve Gutenberg. Isn't he in Three Men and a Baby? And I think he's also in uh, uh, Short Circuit. Poli- Police Academy. Police Academy films. It takes two. I understand. Um, I know that I'm from another generation because, and I, I bet you any money if we were having, if you, me, Steph and Chris were out having a lovely little meal right now, me and Chris would have seen Short Circuit, Police Academy, like all of these Steven Gutenberg films, and you and Steph would be, I don't know you're talking about. And you know what, Steph, he might have seen some, I reckon Steph would be like halfway between me and and then you and Chris. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense based on age, because that is, I think that's technically how it works out. Batteries included. Again, that feels like the name of a film that I've heard you say at some point in my life. (laughs) All right. I have no other recollection of. Shout out to the, to the Gooch, or the Gooch, I'm going to call him the Gooch, Steve Gooch. Shout out to the Gooch, um... Still uh, alive and kicking at the age of sixty-five. Um, is he, so he is, is he in the go- the game cocoon? He's he's not in the game cocoon. The game cocoon. I can't remember if it was shown at like an an Xbox stream or a PlayStation stream. Um, I feel like some people who people who watch all those live streams very very intently will recognise this game if they see it. I've been playing it because it came to Game Pass Day as a game a day one Game Pass drop. I think it's uh, uh, Annapurna uh, published. And so what it is, it's it's a puzzle game um, where you play as a bug. I think it's one of those bugs that, like, Americans would call a cicada. Oh, okay, that, yeah. Um, but like a kind of like a, co- is it kind of like a cockroach kind of thing? It's like a cockroach that stands upright, but, but then that's probably just for the sake of the game. Um, and it's a... <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it is. Two legs well, walking around. To be fair, to, no, to be fair, like it could go on all fours. I, I played a dog's life. You walk on all fours in a dog's life. Right. You can also fart and shit on command. Okay. Things you can't do in Cocoon because Cocoon is essentially like a, like a sort of an isometric puzzle game where you play as this bug. Um, and it, 
uh, is notable for only really having uh, two inputs, the left analog stick for movement and A, I guess, if you're playing on an Xbox controller, for basically everything else, which means that it's a relatively simplistic puzzler um, that gets by a lot on kind of like pushing buttons and a lot of like time-based mechanics and kind of like waiting for things to happen. Um, but then it, I guess the kind of the the noteworthy element of Cocoon, the thing that they probably would would put on the front of the box is it's like it was made by this guy called i'd probably gonna butcher it because it's scandinavian but like yep or yepe carlson who was the lead gameplay designer on limbo and inside oh, okay um so that's the pedigree here yeah and this is something that is getting away from those games in terms of them being at times almost exclusively kind of like tonal exercises and this isn't something that is a bit more of a mix between something that still very much has like a very specific and sometimes creepy or uneasy look and feel. Um, I can tell you're reading the quotes, by the way. You, you're, you're doing ten strokes a second. I apologize. That's uh, all right. Um, I am listening to you more. It's, it, yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't care. Basically, it's, it's not as like overbearingly creepy as uh, like Limbo and especially Inside could be. Um, but there's still definitely this thing of like, oh, this is a lot of kind of like. Um, not quite Giga-esque, but like a lot of slightly uncomfortable imagery and, right. and again, not architecture because they're not strictly speaking build buildings, but a lot of like very uh, interesting sort of like world design, I guess you'd call it, to put under as big a blanket as possible, and like very uh, understated but slightly uneasy music. Um, but really, you're just this bug running around solving puzzles, a lot of which revolve around the fact that you basically go in and out of these worlds. And when you jump out of these worlds and it happens in this weird sort of like very dynamic and very kind of eye-catching animation, the world that you were just in then becomes an orb that you can physically pick up and move around and do okay. stuff with. And then you get into this kind of like, they, they, let, they build upon that with additional layers where of, you can hold the orb of one world and go into another world and leave that orb in there. So then you have worlds within worlds, right. all represented with these glowing orbs. And each time you collect a new orb, you kind of get additional powers um uh so i've got like a power that, 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 that i've got a thing where i've got a little robot follow almost like something out of a ghost from destiny that would light up certain passages for me if i was holding this orange orb um ones where i can like go up and down these like uh like these like, almost like smoke pillars um it's got a really interesting look it doesn't overstay its welcome from what i gather it's like a sub four hour game mm -hmm. and i think if you have like I would. I don't think that I would go in on the basis of like there is like limbo and inside pedigree alone. But if you're interested in something that kind of like is tonally kind of in that ballpark, in that it's a little bit disconcerting, a little bit discomforting for some reason, often in right. ways you can't exactly put your finger on. But at the same time, because you're playing as a bug walking around in this very you know otherworldly place. And so there aren't as many kind of like real world influences as there are at times, and especially inside. So it never gets into that weird kind of like dystopian kind of uh, area. But it is still a very pretty um, and not too intense puzzle game that I think I think is worth playing. Put it this way: I thought that I would like you know, this is like the Xbox and the Game Pass version of what humanity was a couple of months ago on PlayStation Plus, right, yep. where I thought that I'd super dig humanity because, you know, I, again, you, you talk about, like, I can't remember what the name of the studio is. Um, Mizuguchi is the is, is it the guy who did, like, Tetris Effect and Res and stuff like that, and I thought, this is going to be, an, a, you know, this kind of audio-visual experience, and I'm going to love the soundtrack, and 
I get to be this dog that runs around and seeing thousands of people running off cliffs to their presumably death is going to be hilarious. And yet I fell off humanity quite quickly in a way that I haven't yet with Cocoon. And I'm probably going to finish Cocoon. Um, so there you go. It's on Game Pass on PC and console as well. Nice. I think uh, I fell off humanity in within about an hour and a half as well. There you go. Um, yeah, there's something about Cocoon that is gripping me more. It must be the two-legged bug. Two-legged security. Uh, I don't know why that's so funny. It just it's a it's like a bug that stood up. That's like in a bug. Oh, because it because uh, oh, it's only because the way you said it made me think you like. I don't know if they just walk around on two legs, and I'm thinking about like a a bug with like six legs. I guess suddenly just just knocking around on two. <laughs> I don't, it's that normal. You- and I, do you know what? I don't know anything about cicadas. Maybe that is totally normal. They just walk around there, like walking around yeah. with two hands, little clubs. Just hanging out. I don't know. I can see it away from our prying eyes. Who knows what bugs get up to when we're not looking? It's like, again, it's like a bug's life. They're actually all very sociable and they have traveling circuses and they sat up on their hind legs. Aren't cicadas the ones who like have different, they come out on like prime numbers or something weird, like one set come out oh, every God. other year, one come out every fifth year or some weird. I don't know. Anyway, I just, I, I'm, just, I'm looking at pictures of a cicada right now. And do you know what? I'm going to be honest. In terms of a, a quick guess at what the character or the bug in Concoot is. Yeah. I think Cicada's pretty close. It's oh, okay. very cockroachy. It's like a big fly. Um, oh, I thought... Oh, weird. Okay, I thought it was like a flying cockroach or Cicada, but I've, I... Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, boom. Apparently people yeah. hate them. Like, the people who have them in their country don't really don't like them because they're annoying. Wait. They come out in huge clouds. Just be there you go. I, I thought that Cicadas were what American people called crickets, but they're not. Um... I mean, Kerry's saying every seventh every seventh year they come out or something. So they just hang That's around weird. in the mud and then they just pop out. Do you reckon they spend the rest of their lives just sitting around counting? How long has it been? Uh, it's only been three and a half years, mate. There's a tiny cicada just with a, yeah. with a stone Two, just scratching three. the light. Yes. Bored. Bored as shit. Like cicadas are prison. noisy. Apparently cicadas are noisy. So, um, so maybe that's where I'm getting the... Um, the cricket kind of like cross right. with because crickets obviously loud as well. Yeah, Don't maybe they make similar noises. Yeah, um, I, need to, I feel like I need thanks. to see them, but I want to see them on a video. I don't want to see them in real life, just in case they're weird, freaky. Uh, do you know what? There, uh, there's going to be some either David Attenborough or Morgan Freeman narrated thing that's probably going to come out in the next year that's going to be full of cicadas and crickets because at the rate they're pumping them out, I would. <laughs> I I had it in my head this really idealistic view that like David Attenborough. Uh, narrated like one nature documentary every three years or something like that. And it was a big TV event. I looked at his Wikipedia the other day and he does about six a year. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And there's the, there sequels. Yeah. That, and there are sequels coming out to them all the time. Like there's another Netflix one that's coming. Like Netflix have Our Planet. And then there's the B. What's the BBC one that's about to get its third iteration? Blue Planet. Um, Blue Planet was the spin off of the thing I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, Don't know. So. And then, and then there's the there's Netflix are now touting there's another one Spielberg executive produced and Morgan Freeman narrated um, one, but that's about um, going all the way back to dinosaurs and having like CGI things to show how life on Earth um, came to be. Nice. Um, there you go. There's a, there's a little bug chat for all you bug fiends who uh, been sitting around waiting for that. Love a bug. Um, well. From bugs to, I can't. I've got nothing. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna have to. Oh no! I, 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 
take a step back because given what we're about to talk about, I do want to know what your segue is. So you can you can you can keep you take or leave the bug link, uh, but I would like a very sophisticated segue if possible. Well, talking about bugs and insects, I'm sure often the first thing that comes to mind is the lonely worker ant. And unfortunately, there are some people that aren't going to be worker ants anymore in the games industry because there have been another wave of layoffs. How was that? Was that too no. flippant? Uh, it, it was borderline. It's borderline. Um, what did you call them? Like a wave of lo- like lonely or worker ants? Is- yeah. It, it, it's, it's right on the... It, it's, it's kissing insensitivity. But it's not quite there. I am so, sensitive. I've been through. I've been through this, as I'm sure most of us probably have, getting laid off, and it always sucks. Um, it especially sucks from not especially from our side. It's worse from their side, but from our side, it sucks as well because anytime there are layoffs in the gaming industry, that obviously has a knock-on effect to gamers, of which we obviously are. Um, but it feels like every week this year we've had to talk about layoffs, um, and well, maybe not this year, but definitely toward this end of this year. Uh, it seems yeah. that even companies like Embracer that we've often talked about, um, you know, have, have, who were making huge acquisitions until relatively recently have started to uh, lay off large amounts of people. And unfortunately, um, that trend has continued because uh, this week we have uh, got news about layoffs at Creative Assembly, who were one of the first to announce um, lose, uh, losses this week. Sorry, I can't talk today. Um, they are owned by Sega and they've cancelled the multiplayer game Hyenas um, and on some other titles that were under development and that have actually been around for a while and they've had alphas, betas, um, and they had a, a plan released this year. But um, but Creative Assembly has confirmed that it has begun redundancy uh, procedures. They're in a consultation process um, to see how many people that they are going to unfortunately be laying off. Obviously, that's going to have a massive knock-on to um, you know, what they can produce and how they can... Um, you know, operate, which I always hate it because they always come out as a load of crap like, oh no, we're going through efficiencies. We're just going to streamline the processes. And you're like, you, you already have to crunch to get half of your games out. You already have to like massively, um, you know, uh, put extra resource into things and then to be like, oh no, we're just going to streamline. No, you're not. You're already talking yeah. about canceling games, canceling, you know, departments, losing people. Um, but, uh, Creative Assembly wasn't the only one because Epic Games, which is probably one of the more surprising, kind of like Embracer, like they're a big, they're a big hitter, and it's more surprising when you find out that they're making layoffs. They've announced they're going to be making some pretty epic cuts of around sixteen percent of its workforce, as around eight hundred and thirty people um, are going to be leaving Epic. Uh, and CEO Tim Sweeney said that two thirds of the layoffs were outside of core development. Um, so not directly linked to those teams that are, you know, making games, developing games directly um, at recently acquired studios such as the Fall Guys developer uh, Mediatonic, who have supposedly been hit quite hard. But again, that's another one of those bullshit. Oh, no, they're outside of core development. Uh, it's efficiencies. It's uh, don't worry about it because it's only it's like there's no such thing, man. You're going to get rid of the people at the bottom of the pile that are doing shitloads of work every single day, working their asses off. Um and also to say they're not part, of, they're outside of core development probably means that they're very, very close to core development. They're just not technically linked to core development. Right. Like there's more to games than core development. And if you work at a place like Epic Games, you probably are a not a small portion of the game development process, um, which has 
a lot of different facets whether you work in legal or whether you work in admin or whatever like the people that support you... core development so now the people in core development can't do their jobs properly because the people who support them have now been all laid off which there you go. yeah it's uh no it's absolutely horrendous uh, and then finally worms publisher team 17 um have announced significant job losses as part of the company restructure over there um so yeah a pretty horrendous uh week for the games industry across, across yeah. the board yeah totally and i guess it goes without saying it's it's never easy to know when you you do something like this for the size of audience that we do it for whether you're talking to anyone that was uh, affected by any of this directly or indirectly but you know it goes without saying that um that this is this is shit um because uh, it usually affects people who as you said are often at or near to the bottom who work incredibly hard and i always feel it worst about the the games industry because and i know this is true for a lot of lines of work but um I, I, there's just something about the games industry that like stands out for me in this way where very few people end up in it accidentally you know you're often talking about people who are extremely passionate about their craft and have maybe built or designed small or large portions of their lives around getting these jobs and working in this industry and being close to these products and being so passionate about the teams that they're a part of and the ips they get to work on and so when those people have to you know what probably feels like go back to square one and start looking for jobs again and you know you know as, as, as hard as it might be to acknowledge that it's happening to in this case hundreds if not thousands of other people at the exact same time um must be an unbelievably difficult situation to be in um and then you add on to that situations like the uh, the one at Creative Assembly, which was what I was kind of gesturing towards earlier, where uh, a game like Hyenas can be around for as long as Hyenas was around, be supported in all the ways it was supported. Again, kind of like one of many bets that Sega were taking for kind of what the future of the industry might look like and what the future of live service gaming might look like. To think that you're going to release a game like later this year, to have had members of the public play that game, to have been at Gamescom two months ago, with a massive booth for your game, and less than two months later, your game's disappeared. Like, no one's ever actually going to play it and see your work. You might not even be able to show or talk about the full extent of your work for the rest of your career, and also you're unemployed. Like, unbelievably difficult. Um, and sadly, uh, again, uh, this is where I, I'm not an expert, but one of the you know quotes I kind of pulled here was from a guy called Chris Dring, who's from uh, GamesIndustry.biz, and they've suggested that the widespread layoffs could be partly attributed to companies expecting to maintain momentum following the pandemic, but saw game sales that were lower than expected. And again, like that sort of that almost like, and again, I know it's more complicated than this. I'm not trying to underwhelm or undermine you know, the significance or how difficult it is to steer these massive ships of game companies and game studios. But like almost the flippant nature of like will grow because the times are good and it doesn't matter if the times don't stay good because we can shrink just as easily as we grew right um, like I, i'm not suggesting that's necessarily the ne like I'm, I'm sure someone uh, who was involved in the decision making process at a place like epic felt it and um and i'm I, I doubt anyone wants to make over 800 people uh redundant at once but it is that element of like Oh yeah, like things things are going things are going well because everyone's stuck at home. I'm sure things are going to go well forever. So let's hire 800 more people than we need to like run normally. It, it it feels like bad management to me, or like or poor planning or poor you know forward think whatever you want to call it. I don't know. And that's what that's where it kind of stings a little bit. I think it's also the problem is that that wouldn't sting as bad if it was like one company. 
Um, they had to lose a bunch of people because those people could probably be absorbed by other areas of the industry. But I think one of the problems is when you seem to have it, it's a knock-on, it goes across the industry and then loads of people lose their jobs. And then you've got a whole bunch of people that are looking uh, to find work and obviously that makes it much harder. Um, so yeah, we're gonna these will get added to the P, the recent layoffs, um, which we've talked about recently um, across across the industry. Companies like Xbox, Bethesda, CD Projekt Red, Unity, Riot Games, Blizzard, Crystal Dynamics, Bioware, uh, Striking Distance, and more have all seen recent um, redundancies, layoffs, and things. And so, yeah, it it sucks, um, and it's obviously got to be tied to in a big way what's happened in the previous four years, like massive amounts of debt, like economies getting absolutely whacked. Just look at interest rates, look at the amount of money that people don't have, cost of living crisis. You bundle all that together and you get an absolute super disaster for a, a, effectively, at the end of the day, let's be honest, a luxury industry like video games. One of the first things you're going to cut out of your um, monthly budget is going to be, do you know what? Maybe I don't pre-order um, a game that I would have pre-ordered before. Maybe I wait until a game goes into Game Pass. Maybe I wait until, maybe I cancel Game Pass. Hey, Game Pass is too expensive now. Maybe I, I, yeah. I've only used it a few times. And all of this has uh, massive amounts of knock-on. And it, yeah, no, it, it, yeah. it sucks. It sucks in any industry. It it's, uh, happens to, but it does, It's it stings particularly harsh when um, it's uh, the gaming industry because, um, you know, we all like to, we all like to look at all these companies and all these IPs and sort of reminisce and then fantasize about titles that will be coming out. And when you hear about games that get canceled and teams that shut down, like um, it sounds ridiculous, but Team hearing that Team Seventeen have suffered significant job losses, like that was my childhood. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, big way. So yeah, and and the the weird thing about it, and the thing that sucks about it, is that like we've spent a large portion of the last decade or two wanting and hoping that the game industry was kind of getting better um, in a lot of different ways because there was the it felt like there was a sort of this idea that if you spoke to anyone who'd been in the games industry for let's say since like the 90s or early 2000s, that the things that they had told you they've seen everywhere they went that almost became like rites of passage. One, you're going to get made redundant and two, you're going to crunch. And it felt like we were making, um, or that many companies, a decent amount of companies were kind of striving towards moving away from that reputation and trying to like share, like promote this idea that the games industry was becoming a lot less precarious and the kind of place that you could build a career without, you know, hopping to a new company every few years, a new city every few years. Uh, you know, especially for anyone that's read any of uh, Jason Trier's uh, sort of books on 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 game development, the games industry, especially um, his most recent one, uh, Press Reset. Um, it's like you read those and you're like the the, the pure horror stories, and you're just like, um, and when you le- read off that list of companies, Jonesy. Many of them having released extremely successful pieces of software in the last couple of years, or in the case of places like Microsoft, in the middle of multi, multi, multi billion dollar acquisitions and profit margins in the hundreds of billions of dollars. And it's like, yeah, um, it sucks. Uh, and maybe it's just an inescapable fact um, of, yeah, maybe it's just the way the industry is going to be. I don't know. But I hope it isn't. No, I hope it isn't as well. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I I think it's going to get worse. <laughs> I'm I'm massively pessimistic at the moment. Well, I, I'd love to tell you you're wrong to be, but like, there's no evidence to suggest that it isn't is going to get better. Um, the only thing that keeps happening is this. You know, we we loop back around at every however many podcasts and talk about people losing their fucking jobs. 
Well, um, for the final story today, should we loop back around to um, something else, which we've talked about, talked about many times before? Are we? Let me. I'm just checking. It. Okay, All right. We're uh, we're running pretty short at the moment, but we've got we we can make up. We can get up to an hour and a half, I reckon, talking about. How long do we have to go to hit the ninety minute mark? Uh, fifth no, twenty minutes, just under. We'll see. see it's definitely doable, but when people hear what you're about to say, maybe I think most of them are going to hope we don't hit the ninety minute mark. Yeah, more like a two minute conversation as opposed to a twenty minute one. Um, I am referring to a game which we talked about a lot uh, before it came out and when it came out. I'm talking about Marvel's Avengers, um, which. Actually, which is kind of weird, okay, because this game um, has only been out for three years. But what's super interesting about this is it's a it's like about the same age as the podcast. Like it's a little bit older than we started talking about it on the podcast because we were talking about it a few months obviously before it dropped. We played the beta, we played you know some other stuff. I want to say it's got to be early days of 2020 that we started talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. It would like this happened a couple of times across both this podcast. And, you know, previous iterations of the podcast, previous channels and stuff like that, where it's especially live service games that have a tale that's a handful of years, and they're usually quite a tumultuous tale, um, then combine that with games that we happen to have quite interesting opinions on, or at least interesting to us, <laughs> probably not to anyone else. Um, and in games that have very long lead-up times, usually filled with alphas and betas, it basically means you end up talking about one title for years on end, um, and this one probably takes the cake. There, there definitely felt like there was a period where every week we talked about Marvel's Avengers. Then it came out, so we talked about it again, and then we talked about it even more because, like, we then finished the story campaign and we definitely dragged it out. But um, yeah, let's let's quickly go through the bullet points on this one. Um, so yeah, three years after launch, uh, it's been delisted from storefronts. You will no longer be able to buy uh, Marvel's Avengers. However, um, I didn't realize, and I think I even said this on our Discord earlier. Um, uh, I said, like, oh, you know, oh, what a shame, because I really wanted to play it one last time with you and do a bit mm -hmm. of a live stream and was like, oh, no, I can't believe I'm not going to get to do that. But you corrected me because it will still be playable single player and multiplayer. The servers are still online. Um, it's just new players won't be able to hop in and play anything. I know because we talked about it before and effectively everything that was available uh, in the game was made free. Um yeah, you could get. I wonder how all of that stuff's going to be handled. If you can still just download everything, play as anyone, get all the scale, the outfits. Um, I'm man, I'm tempted to download it and play it. Like I said, I think we should. I think we should give it a little but blast. It is funny though that the even like the free cosmetic things like that that's been around for months now. The game has been, you know, we've known that this was going to be the delisting <laughs> date for a long time. Yep. It is funny now that it's taken the game what you believing the game to be gone forever and that you're never actually going to see it again and now you're serious about playing it. You could have done it. You could have done it when Spider-Man dropped, you could have done it when Black Panther dropped. You I don't want to play it like the game. This is the thing. I don't really want to play it, but if you, I'm like a kid with a toy and I only want to play with it cuz you're about to take it away forever. And I'm like, oh, right. I want to play with the toy one last time. And uh, so I think the irony being that um, I think Marvel's Avengers had one of its best weeks um, for like concurrent players in the last couple of weeks because it was getting like it was getting delisted yeah. and, and people had the same sort of idea, you know, like hop on it before it, it disappears. It was um, uh, not, like 90% off on sale as well if you wanted to you yeah. know, own it for, for as long as the servers are up, I guess. And it, and it is a weird one as well because obviously this is a uh, Marvel. It's Disney. Um, it was talked about a lot. It had a lot of exclusives when it was coming out. You know, we had Spider Man was exclusively coming to PlayStation, 
And I think there was um, there was a lot of hope for it as a live service game, and they were sort of really touting and how big it was going to be. And at the time that that the, it was coming out, Marvel um, and the whole Marvel universe was still massive and was the forefront of people's minds. I think I can't fit in the exactly the time, but it must have been what just after like the whole End Game thing. Had I think it was the year, was the year after that, yeah. So people were sort of still really looking forward to and hoping they didn't quite have this Marvel fatigue that they've now got from all the series that have gone live on the Disney uh, Disney Plus. Um, it should have been the perfect time to release a game like this, um, but it just no. It was yeah, and is I I'm still I'm still a little bit sad about it because I maintain individual character animations and some of the individual ways characters move and fight is solid. And, was, and I don't think Crystal Dynamics should feel um, embarrassed or sad about a lot of their design choices. I do think they should feel embarrassed and, and you know, a little bit ashamed of how they implemented them in the wider game world and their reuse of levels and, and missions and how the game felt to play as a whole. Because <laughs> it wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that's the funny thing about Avengers, I guess, with hindsight, is that so much of the friction people found with that game um and and still do i guess to a certain extent when they reflect on it is to do with those games as a service elements and yet with hindsight like to a certain degree i know this isn't going to be a popular take but that was one of the most like prescient decisions they made about that game because you know as as we've discussed for fucking the majority of this podcast like the games industry is now coming to terms with the fact that that is the future whether people like it or not but it's just about um, it's about implementation. It's about the way you actually make your title a games as a service title. It's about the hooks you put in. You know how fair you are and reasonable you are with players. How you how you try and encourage them to come back time after time. The amount of content you give them and so on and so forth. Because no one is fundamentally unhappy with the idea of being able to play one game for a very long time. No. That, if anything, is just value for money. And a lot of people nowadays aren't even necessarily unhappy with having the option to spend additional money on a game that they have played for, a, for an extreme amount of time. I, I don't think it's unfair to say, and I may be pleased in the comments and in the, in the live chat, correct me, um, but I don't think it's unfair to say that most people, by the by the time of this live stream in 2023, will have found at least one games-as-a-service game that they jived with, whether it's yeah. because they enjoyed the gameplay or you know the way the concept rollout worked, clicked with them, or whatever it is. Someone's played something from beyond the the expected shelf life of that title and hasn't been too pissed off about it they probably got pissed off at the end which is why they stopped but there was a there was a happy period in the middle um but event Avengers got a lot of that stuff wrong the content the, the volume of content was wrong the amount of as you said the amount of repeated content was wrong um and also some of the hooks that they tried to insert into the game to try and justify those games as a service um ideas and mechanics like felt like they didn't mesh well with the idea of being Avengers, like stealing or borrowing, copying, I don't even know, some of Destiny's kind of like loot and gear-based framework just didn't really make sense. It's like like getting these incrementally like higher quality and higher rarity pieces of loot for the Incredible Hulk while there's absolutely zero cosmetic change every time you swap people, mm. swap pieces out, just to have like a higher power Hulk to run the same like three-minute mission that you run ten times over like to uh, and maybe in the vague or vain sense of like hope of accruing this like very pitifully doled out uh, premium currency so you could get like at launch the world's worst skin for one of these <laughs> heroes 
And then every piece of content was delayed. Every DLC was delayed. There was, as you mentioned, exclusive content in the form of things like Spider-Man. So bad idea, but also like a good, a, 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 a reasonable pitch, uh, like a fair pitch that was poorly executed on um, and never really saved or redeemed at any point after the fact either. So that's that's a pretty messy concoction I just spelled out there, I know. But yeah, that's, I, think, I guess that's why it's dead. I think we've kind of... Do you know what it is for me? I think there are two things butting heads, and I think we've already talked about one of them this show, which is the length of time it takes to produce new content these days is a very long time. And when you're talking about games as a service, it feels like you need to be able to adapt to what your f- fan base is saying. And if you can't adapt, like if you've got three years from the release of Avengers to the death of Avengers, that is not enough time to produce any new content for Avengers, like that you hadn't already planned going into it. And if you've got games that, that you know, are so high end, um, let's be honest, it's a very high end game. It's very glossy. It, it looks very nice. A lot of it is very well designed and made. The problem is, I, for me, it was the um, yeah the gameplay and the actual ar- the architecture of the game is not fun. But I think all of that stuff is preset when you release the game. And if you've got a games as a service game which just misses, you can't fix that in three years. I mean, just look at like Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is having its revival now um, with 2.0. There's a lot of people that are talking about it and saying like, finally, Cyberpunk is the game that we wanted it to be. It, it's kind of not. It's much, much closer, but this is the closest it's ever going to be. But again, yep. that's three years. That's three years it's taken for them to take a single player um, RPG game that doesn't have to sort of worry about the inter, inter, um, interwoven narratives like multiple people coming together in a game. And it's taken them three years just to get to change their systems to get to a point where people are singing its praises. Marvel's Avengers didn't stand a chance because they had already buggered it by the time they released it. Um, yeah. Which is a shame. It's a real shame. Like I said, I, I had a... That, I can't really call it. There's a room in the game where you can practice and you can learn to use all your different characters. Oh, it's an acronym, isn't it? Yes. Like the spine room or something like that. Yes. Um, Is it? But it... Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. And I remember the first time going into there and playing as all the different characters and seeing the animations and how chunky they felt and how good like characters like Iron Man even felt. Because I've always hated like Iron Man games. Second you can fly, games are terrible. But they actually did a pretty decent job. But then when you get out into the actual real world and you you go with other people and you travel from A to B to do something and you just think like, oh, no, this is nasty. And then and then yeah. you realize that the next level feels exactly the same and every character feels pretty crap. And it's just like, oh, what have they done? There's nothing they can do at that point. Yeah. There's nothing. This in campaign, though, turns the, out. Turns the campaign out, was all right. Crystal, Crystal Dynamics can make a solid third-person linear action-adventure game. The irony being, yeah, the story of the campaign was fine. It was fun. The way they introduced the characters was maybe a little bit ham-fisted because they were doing it in a way maybe to set you up for the uh, Game Plus, the after stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forcing you to play, you know, introduce you and play as all the different characters. Um, but, but yeah, they, they, there wasn't enough of that. It Maybe if, they, if they'd have focused on that part of the game, it would have kept more people interested. Well, maybe. We'll find out when the Suicide Squad comes out in February of next year, and oh. whether or not it makes the exact same mistakes. Off the back of when Suicide Squad comes out, we're going to look back on um, Gotham Knights, Marvel's Avengers, Suicide Squad, and we're all going to cry and just be like, "Yeah, why can't they make it work?" I'm not going to cry. 
I think Suicide Squad would be the one that makes me the closest to crying because the fact that, like, maybe it's unfair to call it the an Arkham Knight follow-up, but the first game that Rocksteady have made since Arkham Knight, um, and by the time it comes out, you know, close to nine years in the making, that might make me cry if I don't like it. Um, but I, th I also think it's got the best shot of the three to be a game that I can uh, jive with. But maybe I it's just me. No, I think I think you're probably right. Like I think the pedigree wise that makes sense to me, but I just wonder if it's if it's a, it's almost like an unanswerable question. How do you make a good superhero multiplayer games as a service game? Like is that possible? Maybe it's not. At the moment, maybe it's not. Wait, it's not possible to make a what a what live service game? Uh, like a superhero multiplayer. Maybe there maybe so maybe it doesn't feel that's that um Super. I don't know. Like, if you if you told me that the fucking uh, guardians from Destiny were superheroes by another name, I'd kind of be like, yeah, okay, that's a that's a games as a service power fantasy game that is going well. Maybe not after the last expansion, but up until then was going stronger than ever after however many years. But do you, like, you think it's the law? What is a superhero at the end of the day? I wonder if it's the law and the canon, which is why companies struggle because they've got to fit in. Or they feel like they have to fit in certain things that the fans already love. Maybe Destiny could just write its own ticket so they didn't have that that whole thing. I, I think. Well, I think more pe more companies should feel like they should be empowered to write their own ticket. Then, like, talk about fucking Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League. I don't give a shit what King Shark's fucking backstory is. Like, make it all up. Do whatever you need to do to make a good game. It's also Destiny's. Destiny's a first person shooter though, as well. Like, they you can't do that with Marvel. How to make. How do you make Marvel's Avengers a first-person shooter game? You can't. You can't. Marvel's Avengers is a bad example, but like, Gotham Suicide Squad. Gotham Knights. Sui can't. Suicide Squad killed the Justice League is a shooter. Yes, primarily, which is which why I can't. I think you're probably right in that it's the closest. But like Gotham Knights, no, they didn't have a chance of that either. Like, it's it's not first. Well, like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to try and suggest that like Gotham Knights and Destiny have a huge amount in common. I just, I just said like, I just feel like again. There are blueprints out there for for the ways of the way, and and like there's other stuff that hasn't worked in the past. I can't remember what the kind of the online Marvel game was that was almost a Diablo like. I know some people really liked it, but it got shut down. Um, but that was more of an MMO than a live service game. So like, yeah, there, there's examples out there in both directions. Um, I don't know who's going to be the first to crack that nut. Um, I also don't 100 percent know if anyone necessarily will because it does feel like the kind of the fortunes and the popularity of some of these um, comic book properties do kind of wax and wane a little bit as time goes on. Um, the movies are still often very well received and make gargantuan amounts of money, but it does sometimes feel like, for example, the MCU bubble has popped. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, it's, do you know who will do it for Marvel? Because they already half did it. Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, Guardians of the Galaxy was a fantastic reminder that if you don't overcomplicate this stuff and just stay true to these characters uh, that people already love and the strengths that they had already established across a number of different mediums over decades by this point, funnily enough, you can make fan yeah fantastic results out of them. Again, Rocksteady know that better than anyone as well. They, they made a, a Batman trilogy that, forget being three of the best superhero games of all time, they're three of the best like third-person action you know, beat-em-up games of all time. They made one of the most unique and inventive combat systems like of the mo modern era of gaming and just happened to apply it to the most famous superhero on the planet 
like anyone could take that same logic and and you know you know re reverse engineer it for another superhero it just doesn't happen very often because it feels like as soon as you're talking about marvel or dc you're talking about multi-billion dollar properties and you can't like for as much as games like going to the galaxy didn't come out that long ago it doesn't feel like there's that much of a future for that kind of pitch anymore um i hope i'm wrong but it doesn't feel like it uh connor matthews in chat is saying marvel heroes is that the uh game you yeah that's that sounds right because i get it mixed up with like ultimate alliance and all that kind of stuff because they were technically third person action games as well but yeah but jamie here's the question are we gonna stream some marvel's avengers as a as a little <laughs> goodbye from us, I mean, I'd, I'd be I'd be open to it. I'd, I'd need to figure. I'd need to make some space on my PlayStation Five, which is is never a fun process. It's not. Um, no, maybe in the gap between Call of Duties, maybe I can delete Modern Warfare Two, and then in that in, <laughs> in the downtime between Modern Warfare's, I can squeeze in some Marvel's Avengers. But yeah, I'd be up for that. Um, plot twist we play it we stream it and it becomes really popular again and they bring it back that would require us being popular Jason we both know that's never going to happen yeah alright <laughs> fair play um, well do you know what we've pretty much made it to uh, 90 minutes which I um, didn't think we would off the back of Marvel's Avengers the, do you know, the one last thing I'll say is I'm actually glad that Marvel's Avengers is going because do you remember I bought all of the Marvel's Avengers game characters in Funko Pop 4. Convinced. Oh, God. Can, do you remember this? Convinced that it was going to be so crap and just no one would like it, that no one would buy the Funko Pops and that I would then have like the only Funko Pops for this game. Obviously not, but I would have a limited amount of not undesirable ones that in 50 years' time, people will go, oh, do you know what's really valuable? Those... Uh, Marvel's Avengers Funko Pop. It's never gonna. It's never gonna happen. It's not. It's never gonna happen. You should. You should have never bought Funko Pops for the, in the first place. Sam Richards, if you're listening to this, I apologise, but Funko Pop for a mistake. I do. You know what? I bought. I did buy one Funko Pop, which is now worth about three hundred quid. Which is who was it? Uh, the um, BT and the pilot from. Oh, uh, do you know what? If I were going to let you get one Funko Pop, it would one. be that one. Yeah. Cheers, mate. That's that's a good Funko Pop. Cheers. I appreciate it. Um, and with that, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you so much for everyone for joining us um, in the live chat and for listening to our podcast. And if you're listening to it on a podcasting platform, or indeed, if you've watched it on YouTube, um, you can reach out to us at Super Show Pod. Um, and you can also watch us at paisleyradio.com uh thursdays 10 p.m mondays at 10 p.m oh okay hold on we've had a super chat this interrupted Ooh. my my goodbye flow from miami sunrise uh saying with gta 6 coming soon what would you guys say is the biggest thing rockstar should improve from gta 5 for the sequel oh jesus that is a can of worms to open at the end of a podcast i'm gonna go miami sunrise i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna keep it super simple it's something that i know that rockstar aren't that good at um, which is just like game mechanics in general. The uh, like, so you mean like fundamentals, like fundamentals, shooting, driving, exactly. The do you know all the driving, not too bad. Jumping, shooting, just moving in general. Like they have nasty. I've always not appreciated how those games control in those sorts of sets. Driving a car, driving a boat, flying a plane, all that stuff feels fine. 
but there's just always that that wonk to their controls yeah which i'm not a big fan of and i get that it's like part of just how they make games but i've never been a fan of it oh hmm. uh, yeah that that joke gta jump can see that and shit i can i can totally see that it, it did feel like they were stuck in a a bit of a, a cycle where they had to kind of like it was evolution not revolution for each of those mechanics every time and they got incrementally better um but there definitely are still some elements um of those systems and of those kind of like the the pillar mechanics that are like feel somewhat dated i guess by modern standards i'm less bothered about them um because when uh, again when i think about like gta 6 it's less about what i want rockstar to improve and more about what i want them to build upon because if we look at red dead redemption 2 as kind of like the i don't know like the like the, the thing that stands in the middle of gta 5 and gta 6 which timeline wise it's a bit skewed but release wise that is technically the case then i just want them to build on those systems and i want to see how those systems work in a more densely populated modern day and urban environment i think there's work to be done i'd say pacing and immersion are the two bullet points for me pacing because i think they maybe got a little bit too uh like it it, it stuck in the weeds um occasionally in red dead redemption 2 when it came to kind of like uh having to watch animations play out in full or the way some of the systems kind of like Again, I talked about it when I was talking about the re-release of Red Dead Redemption the other the other the other week. Like, oh, I rode my horse and I didn't have to worry about whether it was fed and whether it was clean <laughs> and like blah blah blah. And some of those systems are quite immersive, which is why I don't want them to pull back on them all the way. I just don't think we need like areas in GTA six where you have to walk or like and right. and some of them are just like nice additions. Like I don't mind if facial hair still grows in real time in gta 6 and you can shave and the amount that you can shave is based off how much hair you had to be with just little systems like that are cool um but there's also like i don't know for example even just something as simple as the health system in red dead redemption 2 where you had the health cores and then the health bars and the health bars would only fill back as much as the core was replenished even some of those systems just got a little bit too self-involved i'd like to see them take the step back but at the same time double down on some of the more immersive especially immersive world building characteristics of red dead redemption 2 the degree you can interact with npcs how genuinely like random or bespoke or emergent some of the things that happen to you as exploring the world feel um red dead redemption 2 really kind of like laid down a mantle for that kind of thing in in, in open world games um to the extent that I, I genuinely feel like and when i go back to red dead redemption 2 i genuinely feel like i'm playing ignoring things like Zelda, which I almost categorize slightly differently, I feel like I'm playing an open-world game that most other open-world games still haven't lived up to. So if they can build on some of those ideas and features, um, I think they could end up with something really special. Especially because, like I said, seeing how they apply to you know, an urban environment, that's fascinating to me. Do you think that Rockstar with GTA have the same problem that... Um call of duty have with warzone in that they're a victim of their own success so i'm thinking gta online are they a victim of their own success when it comes to gta 6 and how do they how do they cross that chasm of like commuting an audience who make them you know who are so uh, involved with the gta online do they have a problem whereby gta 6 is never could never be as big as gta 5 and the the whole gta online environment maybe maybe um and, and, and that might just be kind of like one of those bitter pills that Rockstar have to swallow, which is acknowledging that 
GTA Online because of what it was and when it came out became kind of its own beast and that nothing else will ever really replace that and that they should in some respects maybe not even try to. I mean, they got some taste like taste of that firsthand where like, I, I mean, if people want to disagree, they can, but I think that Red Dead Online is broadly reflected on as, as something of a failure, Yeah. Um, whether you compare it to GTA Online or whether you look at it in its own right. So there is some, you know, at least admission or acknowledgement first on Rockstar's part that like, hey, not everything can have this extremely successful, almost, you know, standalone money printing multiplayer element. Um, I hope they acknowledge that. And so therefore, like, set their sights on doing something different and something more engaging and something that, like, has more hooks in it for players that didn't get, like, attached to GTA Online. Because while GTA Online's numbers are significant, so are GTA Five in general's. And, like, I don't know what the kind of attach rate is for GTA Online, how many people started playing it, how many people fell off. You've got to imagine that by this point, the overwhelming majority of people are falling into the latter camp um, at some point or another. I just hope that the fundamental, like game design principles of um, of the next GTA aren't too distracted. I guess by the presence of online, you know, there was always that idea. I I don't know for sure if the gaps between GTA Five and GTA Online and Red Dead Two and Red Dead Online. If you remember, I don't even remember the the game would come out and then online would launch like three or four weeks later. Yes, yeah, I don't know if that ever actually was to make sure people played the single player component. But in my head, I like the idea <laughs> that Rockstar was so like adamant that people had to play the single-player component that they, they delayed the release. Yeah. I don't know if that was the case, but I like that idea because I like the idea of single-player like narrative-driven adventures still being important to Rockstar. The problem is how many of the people who ushered in you know, that you know, sentiment at that company are still there. Um, and that, I, I, I don't know anymore. Um, at the, at the tippity-top, not many. Um, so it's a, we'll have to wait and see. It's gonna. I think. I, I, I think that what when we see GTA Six, there are gonna be some elements of it that don't surprise us at all because they are another GTA game, and some elements of it that we're like, huh. I didn't think that that was the way they would hedge their bets on the future of this franchise. Yeah, I. I'm. I just. I. I can't. How good GTA Five was. I can't see that they change the formula much outside of just like trying to improve some i i don't know i want them to kind of be radical but in the way that gta 5 felt a bit of a radical departure i don't think i don't think gta 6 is going to be anywhere near to the same degree i think it's going to be almost players safe which will then make me feel i don't know sad and being harsh i don't know that gta 5 was radical not radical maybe but it felt like a big step in the like in the right direction like a lot i felt like a I don't know, maybe it's just like the size of the world, the way you could switch the characters, the way that, like, the way how big and alive and everything felt, because it was obviously before uh, Red Dead 2, and it, and it felt like a really cool, um, vibrant city, and it felt like, wow. Because like I said to you, I've said this loads of times on the podcast, I was blown away by GTA 3. Like, GTA 3 changed the way I thought about video games forever, and I know that seems kind of funny to some people now, if they were look at GTA 3 and be like, what are you talking about? But I used to play GTA 1 and 2. Like, the, it was it blew yeah. my mind. And GTA 5 was kind of like a culmination of where that was heading for me. It was like this epic, okay. big, impressive, you know, we've gone away from the silent protagonist and we've gone away from, like, um, oh, what's, what's the one with San Andreas? Like, the comedy of San Andreas. And we've got to this almost 
well carved out story that's also fun and silly and just I don't know I thought it was a very very well crafted video game and I can't see GTA 6 yeah much of a departure maybe I'm overselling it or maybe I'm overhyping GTA 5 uh, no I, I think GTA 5 was significant I was and especially when you put it side by side with GTA 4 I don't know how you felt about 4 but like that is the other thing that Rockstar will have to like butt heads against is that there are diminishing returns on kind of like like certainly from a, from an aesthetic perspective like open world game design like there could be the the jumps between san andreas and gta 4 and then gta 5 were significant and happened in a remarkably short amount of time the jump between red dead redemption 2 and gta 6 will not be nearly as significant in spite of the fact being you know the longest time they've had to build one of their worlds that's just the way the game development is going improvements yep. are being made in other areas that to use like a slightly corny expression i think playstation tried to use at the time of the ps5 that you can feel rather than see, um, mm. uh, which I get. Um, so I think they will have the butt heads of that. But I think it was also you just reminded me of like going back to the early days of you know polygonal, three dimensional Grand Theft Auto games. The idea that like there's not you 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 can't make the the like you can't reinvent the wheel over and over and over again. Like uh, at some point, like you will just have to make something that's good. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No, there's and, not. There's not. Like Grand Theft Auto Vice City was made in a that was, was, so was made exactly it was made in a year and it was built directly on top of GTA three. And it's crazy to say that with hindsight, because this was we're talking about something that was barely twenty years ago, just over twenty years ago. But it was made in a year, it was built on top of GTA three, and they were like, Well, we've got the fundamentals down. Now we just need to build a bigger, more engaging and fundamentally different city and do the same with the tone and the the kind of the the feel and the vibe and the story and the characters that populate it. And that was enough for people to go, oh my god, this is the best game I've ever played. It didn't matter that they would seen had seen so many of those ideas and mechanics for the very first time in their lives a year before, yeah. unless they played Shenmue. Um it what mattered was that they liked this version of it more. Putting it in the fucking putting it on the East Coast, having some Hall and Oats on the radio and making everything purple and neon and people like, oh I like this more. So there is still like wins to be had without just going like fucking crazy but rockstar are a studio that strive for perfection and as we learned about the during the development of red Dead redemption 2 they won't commit to something unless they feel like they're going it's going to be radical and it will change the way people either think about games or play games um and i admire that about them i just also wouldn't be upset if they gave up on that policy or something uh i'm going to finish with saying something that you said which was totally gross which was that um Vice City was like 20 years ago, which of course it is, but at the same time, it feels gross. Yeah, 2002, I think. So, makes 20, me feel, 21 years ago. Makes me feel really old. Um, and, and San Andreas was 19 years ago. Yeah, San Andreas was while I was at uni. I remember it coming out while I was at uni. I mean, you, uh, GTA GTA 5 has just had its 10-year anniversary. That, see, that's mad, because I remember, I remember us being... I'm pretty sure we, because I knew you then, didn't I? I'm pretty sure we saw the did, yeah. the uh, the countdown thing came up on. They had their little thing. It was like this many days until the trailer. And we were like, oh, guys, so excited. Yeah. yeah. Mad. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't known you for long, but yeah, wow. we, 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 we had met. And uh, yeah. Look where we it was are the, now. It was the first, uh, first game I took time off of that job for. Oh, yes. Okay. No, I forgot. Yeah, that, of course, it was. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there you go. 
Thank you for the comment, Sorry. Matthew Sunrise. Thank you for the super chat. We've uh, we've blown right past that one out of 30 now, so appreciate it. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you for stopping by. Um, we will be back, of course, next week. I'm going to quickly remind you as well that um, before we come back next week, Assassin's Creed Mirage will come out on the 5th and Detective Pikachu will be out on the 6th, so you can play those two games in between now and then. Thank you, Jamie. Enjoy the Thanks rest of the music. Yeah, you too. Wonderful hosting, as always. Appreciate it. Uh, we will see you next time. See ya. And don't forget...